Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information, check out our website at ecb.bm. Join us again next week for our next podcast. Morning, church. Scripture reading today is from Genesis 14, verses 11 to 24. That's Genesis 14, verses 11 to 24. So the enemy took all the possessions of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their provisions and went their way. They also took Lot, the son of Abram's brother, who was dwelling in Sodom, and his possessions and went their way. Then one who had escaped came and told Abram the Hebrew, who was living by the oaks of Mamre, the Amorite, brother of Eshcol and Aner. These were the allies of Abram. When Abram heard that his kinsmen had been taken captive, he led forth his trained men, born in his house, 318 of them, and went in pursuit as far as Dan. And he divided his forces against them by night, he and his servants, and defeated them and pursued them to Hobah, north of Damascus. Then he brought back all the possessions and also brought back his kinsman Lot with his possessions and the women and the people. After the, his return from the defeat of Cato-Leomer and the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Sheba, that is the king's valley. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God most high. And he blessed him and said, be blessed by Abram, blessed be Abram by God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and be blessed God most high who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram gave him a tenth of everything. And the king of Sodom said to Abram, give me the persons, but take the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted my hand to the Lord, God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, that I would not take a thread or a sandal strap or anything that is yours, lest you should say I have made Abraham rich. I will take nothing but what the young men have eaten and the share of the men who went with me. Let Aner, Eshcol, and Mamre take their share. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for your word that is trustworthy, active, and powerful. We pray that you would um, speak to our, uh, that you would uh, speak to us through your word and change our hearts and minds. We're so grateful that we can gather here together, but we're mindful of those who are not able to join us today. We just pray that you would undertake to meet their needs. And Father, as, as we continue this service, we pray that everything that we do and say would be for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, children, have a great time in your uh, program. Uh, remember, if you don't know where your kids go, just there should be a little half sheet that you got from the ushers when you came in. It says the ages or birth years of the children. And, uh, or if you're confused, just uh, come on up and ask uh, the usher over at the side there. He can help you out. And you know, that half sheet is also great for that little verse at the bottom. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed us 
for the glory of God. I hope you've got that uh, memorized or on your way. And, and if you already have it memorized, I would encourage you to meditate on it. Uh, what, what does it mean that uh, we, should, we should welcome one another as Christ has welcomed us? How has Christ welcomed us? Uh, he's welcomed us in a wonderful way. Uh, without, any, without any favoritism, he's welcomed us unconditionally. Uh, he's welcomed us eternally. I hope you'll continue to take advantage of, of what that sheet has to offer, especially in regard to hiding God's word in your heart. Well, let's continue on with um, our study through the life of Abraham. And we're tackling two chapters this morning. Uh, Trevor, Trevor only read the, the last portion of chapter 14, but we're, we're looking at both 13 and 14. So if you have your Bible, paper one, or your electronic one on your device, open it up to Genesis 13. And uh, Trevor, great job with those names as well. I was impressed. Cater uh, Leomer, you got it right. That's, that's, that's a lot of people think it's Cheddar Leomer but it's, it has nothing to do with cheddar, so. All right, we're gonna focus on four things, four things. So if you want, if you want a, sort of a, an outline to follow that, and that helps you, then write these down. All right, four things from these two chapters that we can learn from uh, and, that, and, and what they'll point us to. They'll point us to someone as well. We're gonna look at repentance. So it's a repentance a separation, a rescue, and a special king. All right, they're all listed on the back of that sheet in, in, in the title, okay? A repentance, a separation, a rescue, and a special king. So let's look at that first point. So Abraham is back from Egypt. God had graciously put him back on track in the promised land. And then listen to the setup in chapter 13, first four verses. So Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and Lot with him, into the Negev. Now Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver and in gold. And he journeyed on from the Negev as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Ai, to the place where he had made an altar at the first. And there Abram called upon the name of the Lord. So after Abram's mess up in Egypt and rescue from God, he goes back to where he first built an altar in the promised land and called upon the name of the Lord. Part of the Christian life is, is dealing with our mistakes our mess-ups, our, our, what the Bible calls sins. And when someone becomes a Christian, sin is not eradicated. They've, they've got to continue dealing with it. The temptation when we mess up is to run away from God because we feel unworthy to be near Him or, or associated with Him. And, and that's, that's a natural feeling because, because God does hate sin. There, there is no sin in God. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. But, but that, as, as a, if you're a believer in Christ, if you're in Christ, then, 
then we still have that same relationship. Sin can no longer break it. And, and, and think about it. You're a, you're a child of God as a follower of Christ. So, so let, me, let me ask something to you parents. Can your, can your child ever do anything that will cause you to feel they are unworthy to be your child? Never. Never. We, we see that point in the teaching story of the prodigal son that Jesus told. In that story, the, the son leaves his father. He, he really dishonors him by taking his inheritance before he's dead, and, and goes away, and, and then he messes up even more. He squanders the, all the money. He ends up slopping pigs at the end. So he conjures up this idea to go back to his father and offer up himself as a hired servant. And, and here's his, his rehearsed speech to his dad. He, he says, this, this is what I'll say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. Well, you know, when he ends up making this speech, his, his father doesn't even entertain the idea. His father welcomes his son back as his son. He would always be his son. And that's what God does with his children again and again and again. He welcomes them back over and over and over. You can, you can turn back to God no matter where you've gone. This action of turning back to God is called repentance. It's a regular part of the Christian life, and it reminds us that, that through Christ, we did nothing to earn our standing with God. And therefore, we can turn back to him knowing that there was nothing we could have done to lose it. Have you come to God through Christ alone and messed up? Don't hide from God. Turn back to him. Run to him. His arms are wide open. That's what Abram did. He may have felt bad for, for messing up down in Egypt, but he goes right back to where he built the altar and called upon the name of the Lord once again. We have a gracious God through Christ Jesus. The second point is a separation. All right, so if, if, uh, if the first one, a repentance, was, was the first seven verses, uh, a separation is verses 8 through 13 in chapter 13. The separation is between Abram and Lot. So Lot is, is rich, just like Abram. And their servants are getting frustrated with each other, competing for the, for the grazing land around them. A good problem to have, I guess. So Abram comes up with a simple solution. Separation. Verse 9. Is not the whole land before you? Separate yourself from me. 
If you take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if you take the right hand, then I will go to the left. And sounds, sounds like a pretty good idea. And here's Lot's reaction to the plan, verses 10 and 11. And Lot lifted up his eyes and saw that the Jordan Valley was well watered everywhere, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt in the direction of Zoar. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself all the Jordan Valley, and Lot journeyed east. Thus they separated from each other. So I think Lot does what any of us would have done. He, he looks around and, and sees the best place and picks that. And, and this, this is how the area looked to Lot. He, sa he says, it looked like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt uh, in the direction of Zoar. So the garden of the Lord is, is a reference to, to Eden, right? Paradise, perfection. But then there's also this reference to the land of, e of Egypt as well, which is where they got into trouble, right? They went down there because of the, because of the, the fertile land during the, during the drought, during the famine. A little foreshadowing going on here. Is, is Lot wrong in going in, in this direction? We can't say for sure, but we, we can note what is not there. Sometimes it's important what's not there, not just what's there. And what's not there is Lot ever consulting the Lord. Abram calls upon the name of the Lord, but, but no mention of Lot doing that. Lot just follows his eyes alone. We all do that, don't we? We make our own plans based on what we think is best, and let's be honest, we leave God out of it. Listen to the instructions James gives in his epistle or, or letter concerning this idea. It's found in James 4, 13 to 15. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? You are, for you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. So this, this goes back to the idea that, that we are not in ultimate control. As much as we might like to be or think we are, we are not in the driver's seat. God is. And this is why we, we make decisions asking God, is this what I should be doing, Lord? See, in, in praying that way to God, we, we are acknowledging that, that he's the one calling the shots. You can call the shots without acknowledging God if you want to. But when things go sideways, you will become bitter or angry or depressed or, or a slew of other emotions that you don't want in your life. Because you will never find, you will never find out that 
you, because you will find out that you are not in control, and God is. So Lot doesn't call on the name of the Lord, but he also, he also doesn't honor Abram. In a culture where older people are the most important and revered, Lot is dishonoring Abram. Now, I know it's Abram's idea, okay, but, but Lot does not say, no, uncle, you, you, you tell me where I should go, and I'll go in that direction. You go where you want to go. But further, he, he's just all too willing to go. There, there's a book in the Bible called Ruth. She's, she's a Moabite. And she's married to a Hebrew, and, and the whole family is, is living in Moab. And, and it, they're actually, they actually ended up there because, again, there was, there was famine up in, in the land, in the promised land. A lot of, a lot of themes of, of Israelites, Hebrews leaving um, the promised land for something better. But in Moab, all the men in Ruth's family die. Her, her father-in-law dies, her brother-in-law dies, and her husband dies. Ruth's mother-in-law tells her to go find another husband in Moab. Right, that's where she's from. Right, go, go find another husband. You know, you're going you're to need that to survive. All right? she, she, she doesn't have a college degree to fall back on. Okay? This is a different time. She, she insists on, on, but she insists on staying with her mother-in-law. She refuses to go because she wants her mother-in-law's God to be her God. You see, Lot, Lot does the opposite of Ruth. It, it's the same kind of thing. The mother-in-law says, go, just go. This is the best decision. Go find a husband, raise a family in, in, in Moab. And she's like, no, I want your God to be my God. I'm sticking with you. Doesn't seem like the best plan, but she's sticking with God, the one true God. All right, Lot does the opposite of Ruth. He, he leaves Abram and goes and settles near and, and I quote in verse 13, wicked, great sinners against the Lord, down in Sodom. Remember, the, the blessing is found with Abraham, and, and Lot doesn't see that. He sees his, his wealth and, and the watered plains before him as, as his blessing. He sees the blessing with his eyes and not by faith. How, how often do our eyes get us into trouble? We, we, we think we see the greenest grass somewhere else, right, the blessing. That's where I'll find the blessing. That's where I'll find paradise. But when we get there, it's not what we expected. It's never what we expected. It all boils down to one question. Who are we going to trust? Our eyes, our feelings, our gut, or the Lord? 
Now let's get into chapter 14, which sets up our next point, a rescue. It's found in the first 16 verses of this chapter. So let me, I'm not going to read it all, okay? It's, but, so let me just set it up for you. There were five Canaanite kings, right? Five kings in the promised land who were subjected to four kings from, from the east, all right? They're from the east. They come up and around and come down from the north. And these, these paid taxes to these four kings of the east for 11 years. But in the 12th year, they, they say, uh-uh, we're not doing this anymore. So the four kings say, oh, yeah, you're not doing that anymore? Well, then we're coming down. We're coming down to teach you a lesson. So the five kings, uh, they lose. They lose against these four powerful kings. And the, the, in, the, in the battle, in the midst of the battle, the, the king of Sodom, the king of Gomorrah, they, they escape. They flee, but their cities get sacked. All their possessions are taken, plus, plus the women and children, as well as Lot and everything he owned. I, I guess Lot didn't get the memo. In an instant... Lot went from a rich young man in a choice land to a captive of war, soon to be a poor, subjected slave. But one of Lot's servants gets away and finds Abram and tells him, he tells him everything. Abram's Abram's chilling up by the, by, under the oak trees of, in Mamre with, with some of his Canaanite buddies. And, and here's the whole thing. And, and here's, here's what he does. He calls all his trained men. That means that they could swing a club and hit people well. He calls all his trained men, but 318 of them. This is the Evangelical Church of Bermuda's weekly sermon podcast. Thank you for joining us. Here is this week's sermon. Hey 